Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Regarding ID podcast. I'm Gina Jordan. The discovery of the Heartbleed bug in early April sent two-thirds of the Internet reeling. The bug is a flaw relating to how we keep our online information private. The vulnerability was created during a programming error in OpenSSL two and a half years ago. To hear more about this, we checked in with the folks at SecureKey. The company builds identity and authentication ecosystems. They incorporate strong authentication into a wide range of applications. Andre Boyson is Executive Vice President of Marketing at SecureKey. This heartbleed breach has kind of demonstrated that everything we thought was secret on the Internet is, is in fact, uh, not secret. That's really what is interesting is that Heartbleed has lifted the veil on the security model of the Internet, and there's been a, a collective uh, gap of disbelief. Heartbleed is all about this technology called SSL, or Secure Sockets Layer, and it's a fundamental uh, security layer of the Internet. It creates a private tunnel between you and the, the web service you're trying to reach. So there's two variants of SSL out there. Uh, there's the uh, private and, and, and for-profit versions of SSL that are sold to companies, and then there's open SSL, which is open open source version of uh, SSL. And I guess uh, what we found out with Heartbleed is that two-thirds of the web services on the Internet are using this open SSL uh, technology, and, and those are the ones that were most affected by the, this Heartbleed breach. So that, that's kind of what Heartbleed tells us, is that uh, you know we've learned that the entire Internet is anchored in secrets, user IDs and passwords, and uh, what we're seeing is that that's an utterly inadequate way to secure all of the private information that needs to travel over the Internet. What we see with uh, Heartbleed and, and Secrets as a, a security anchor is that passwords are very easy to copy. That's one problem. The second problem is there's no smoking gun pointing to the fact that they've been copied, so we don't know when breaches have occurred. So even with Heartbleed, although we know the information is out in the clear, we don't know how many people actually got a hold of it. And third, as we saw with Heartbleed, the problem is with Secrets is sometimes they leak out. The main concept behind open-source software is that it's public. Boyson says the theory is that because it falls under public scrutiny, bugs are more likely to be exposed. But it's been two years since many software packages started using the flawed version of OpenSSL, and researchers only recently figured out there was a problem. Like with you know, publicly developed software, we see sometimes that there's bugs in open-source software, too. And so that's kind of what we've learned about Heartbleed here. The, the origins were really open source software. There was one developer who was making some changes. Uh, at this point, we all believe it was with good intent it was just with that outcome. And it didn't get caught. And so that got propagated to many servers around the Internet. And that's how this happened. So why did this widespread flaw go undiscovered for so long? Boyson thinks part of the reason is because it can be difficult to see the consequences of how software interacts. And in many places, other elements have been compensating to keep information private, so maybe it wasn't leaking out everywhere. He says there are also assumptions about the way commercial software works, with testing and prodding done in advance. Generally, penetration testing is not done or paid for by anybody for the whole open Internet, and that's kind of what happened in this case. I think what's interesting is all of us have seen how the sausage factory that is the Internet of security works, and it's, uh, it's scary, actually. And so what the effect of Heartbleed is going to be is that it's going to galvanize the need for change. We've got to move beyond secrets on the Internet. Having uh, this idea that to just knowing enough information about me and you can beat me on the Internet is uh, a very scary idea. And so the, this is, I believe, going to really galvanize the industry and trying to make access for users both easier and stronger at the same time. 
Boyson thinks the Heartbleed bug will lead to a renewed push toward multi-factor authentication and anchoring access on the Internet and on devices that users commonly carry. The truth is that uh, you know, all of us have a long set of services we're trying to access. And if you're only trying to access five or seven services, then you probably have pretty good Internet hygiene and keep all your user IDs and passwords uh, in pretty good standing and make them hard and change them often. But most users have many more than that. And I personally, I'm not kidding, I have 300 user IDs and passwords. And so what we're seeing, and this is related to Heartbleed, is there's risk contagion. I have 10 passwords that I use every day, and that's my bank, my social media, and my email, stuff like that. And the other 290 I don't go to very often. And so what many users do is they actually make the, they copy user IDs and passwords across sites. That's the only way they can manage. We admonish users. We say, don't do that. That's not safe. Uh, but the truth is the users aren't doing this because they don't want to be safe. It's just the only way they can manage their own life. So we've got to get to a place where users can actually do what they want to do, which is access services, without them having to be in the nitty bits of how the security model is going to work. I think we do have to move to multi-factor, but I am not going to configure 300 sites to use multi-factor authentication. That is a pain I would much rather not endure. So I think, you know, for the 10 services that I use most often, I think I would make it go through the effort to configure and manage my services. I suspect I do uh, for the ones I use the most. The other 290, I won't. And so we've got to find a way for those other 290 sites to, to participate in this multi-factor scheme. Boyson says if multi-factor had been in place for more web services, the impact of Heartbleed would have been severely curtailed. Even though private information would have leaked out, the access to all of those accounts would have been much harder to compromise. He says the reason multi-factor was created is because it's very hard to know who's at the other end of the system you're exchanging information with. Thinking of your bank as an example, they were never sure if it was you saying, yes, I want to transfer all my money to an offshore bank account. So this concept of out of band came along where we could reach my customer through another separate channel to make sure it was really them. And the reason we developed out of band is because the primary channel, there was no way to secure it. And so this has led to the emergence of what's called out of band or multi-factor so we can have a device in possession of the user. And when the user has this device, it will generate a one-time password that they can give back to the service and that'll give confidence to the service that it's really used. So the problem with multi-factor today you know, there's two problems. One is that uh, it's a burden to the user. So I'm in the middle of my bank transfer, and I want to keep going, and then all of a sudden I'm going to get a SMS message or I've got to go start an app on my phone to, to complete the transaction. So there's user friction there that needs to be addressed if we're going to make multi-factor better. And, and the second thing is that the problem for me, the user, is I don't know who I'm giving this one-time password code to. I go over to my phone on my Evernote account as an example. I get a one-time password on my Google Authenticator. It gives me a six-digit code, and then I've got to type that six-digit code into the thing I see on my screen. The problem for me as a user is I don't know who I'm giving the code to, so if there's a man in the middle, an uh, attack can be mounted. So our approach at SecureKey is to do what we call in-app MSA, and the concept here is, is that we can actually do a mutually authenticated session between the device and the user's hands and the destination they're trying to go to. What that means is the device knows it's the web service they were they intended to reach, and the web service knows it's the original phone that the user enrolled. And the benefit of this approach is we get the OO out-of-band benefit uh, without the out-of-band hassle. And so that's really where we see multi-factor going in the industry. Boyson hopes the push for better security doesn't lead to multi-factor for every website. He thinks there's a better way to avoid so much hassle for users. SecureKey envisions future Internet security that operates the way credit cards do. Think about it for a second. I can take a single payment card, like a Visa card, and I can go to any merchant on the planet without any prior relationship, and I can buy goods at that web service. 
By contrast, everywhere I go on the Internet, they say, here's your user ID and password. So I am not going to download 300 multi-factor apps onto my phone. I'm just not going to do it. So our belief is that what's going to happen is that every web service does have to deploy multi-factor, and they're either going to deploy it directly or they should partner with somebody who does. And so the concept here is that we think web service is going to be more like payments, where I'm going to choose my trusted provider. It'll be a bank as an example, and you might choose your trusted provider. Maybe it's a carrier. Each of us will have uh, a trusted relationship with our provider, and that provider will help us reach all of our online destinations in a trusted way. And like my real wallet, if I want three credit cards, I can have three different providers to segregate my life if I want to do that. If you want to have eight, you can have eight. And so we think that's the way this model is going to merge to make multi-factor access for users both easier for users and more trustworthy for web services without having to put multi-factor in every service on the Internet. We are starting to see a lot of interest in our approach to multi-factor because uh, you know, in-app multi-factor authentication is a very different idea than the way most uh, vendors are thinking of it. We bring a payment thinking and, and discipline to uh, web services, and so we've got software. It's called a virtual secure element. And it's like the same kind of uh, technology that you'll find in payment cards around the world. U.S. has not done much in EMV yet, although Amex in the U.S. does have EMV. The rest of the world has these payment cards with security stacks inside the card. And that's made uh, payments around the globe actually very, very safe. And so we're kind of copying that discipline and that model to make web services more secure. And that's our approach to the marketplace. Andre Boyson is Executive Vice President of Marketing at SecureKey. He says SecureKey was not affected by the Heartbleed bug. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Regarding ID podcast.